Welcome into the Harvest Friends. We are here to bring you the confidence and clarity you need to be a disciple and make disciples in the everyday places of life. I'm Abigail Wilson. And I'm Andrew Stroud. And we are here for a second parter on our Ask Us Anything series. It's not really a series, it's just a two-parter. And a little insight on, you know, the backstory. Uh, We basically pushed every controversial, maybe difficult question into this part. Because last week, we just picked all the easier, in quotes, questions and uh, thought, well, maybe we'll be smarter next week. So here we are. It's next week, Andrew. How are you feeling? Yeah, ready to do this? I'm ready to do it. Yeah, we were looking at the uh, the questions that got bumped from, from part one to part two. And we've got some fun ones today. So uh, I think I think it'll be a good time, Abby. Oh, yeah. Um, you guys, if you want to hear um, all the controversy, this is the episode for you. Um, get your little fingers ready to start typing your heated responses to our responses. <laughs> we can't wait. <laughs> Yeah. So we're just going to jump right in. I, Guys, it's really not that bad. I think just basically the questions that were asked this week are the things that do get brought up a lot um, in church talk, and there can be really strong opinions on different sides. Uh, so Andrew and I are going to give our opinions, hopefully based on biblical principle, <laughs> and uh, we'll do our best, right? Right. I mean, so I actually love the Ask Us Anything episodes because there's there's things that we love talking about and that we view as being front and center. Hey, this is we want to keep the main thing, the main thing. Um, But then there are questions and issues that people struggle with or they're curious about. And honestly, there are things that we might not ever get around to talking about on the podcast. And um, I don't think that's different than someone like the Apostle Paul, when he was writing his letters, if, if he sat down to write a letter and he wasn't addressing any issues, he would talk about certain things. But that was never the case. There was always things that were going on in local areas, local churches. And so he took the time often to respond and to give insight into those things. So we're going to try to do something similar today, Abigail. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, this first one actually I, this is a great question because it actually comes up a lot. Um, You probably get this question a lot too. So hopefully we can help um, maybe the rest of you when you're fielding it. So this one is from Ryan. Um, He says, a lot of criticism or critique I hear from the traditional church about house churches is that they lack the formal structure and organization seen in some of the New Testament, i.e. head pastors, elders, and deacons. Is this truly biblically required for any church? Ooh. Is this, this is the question we get a lot when we tell people that we do house church people start asking for our seminary degrees. So, uh, <laughs> so Andrew, what do you say when you get these types of questions? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned seminary, seminary degrees, because I think that that's related, but it's, it, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that, hopefully. Yeah. I think it's natural for us. Well, well, interesting. Many times those questions are being asked by people who are from um, Protestant um, streams of Christianity. And, you know, if you don't have to go back very far to to know that those very same denominations or Protestants were facing similar questions from the Catholic Church, you know, three or four hundred years ago. Like, what 
how can you break away from the obvious established Catholic Church? You know, Catholic means universal. So to break away from the Catholic Church, the universal church itself was was revolutionary, far more revolutionary than um, someone, a, a Protestant doing home church in 2020 uh, versus someone doing a traditional Protestant church that has a building and a head pastor. Um, so one thing I would say is we really need to educate ourselves when it comes to church history and the different forms and models that have been expressed by the church over the centuries and even in recent times. Um, and then secondly, we really need to study the scriptures. We do need to go to the scriptures to find out what, what do we see about leadership in the church um, in the New Testament. And so the idea of a head pastor is, is not something you see in the New Testament, and yet that is the accepted model, in at least in the West, for Protestant churches today. It's very hard to, to see that model um, demanded or um, not demanded, but what would the, you know, um, recommended even like, it's not, it's not what you see. And even the idea of elders, you know, many people will make a big deal about, you know, a church needs to be elder led, but I would encourage people to study the scope of elders in the new Testament. And it's pretty clear elders served on a citywide basis. So how many, uh, elders in a local church are actually trying to oversee the believers on a citywide level uh, in modern day churches. Um, not many that I know of. So there are principles, there are models, but we need to be careful that there is not a, a specific blueprint that you're gonna find in the, the New Testament when it comes to church leadership. And I got a few other things to share on it, Abigail, but I wanted to just pause and see if you had any thoughts or feedback on it so yeah far. i mean i that's really good i as you were saying like we need to be well versed in our church history i was like oh well i'm really not at all well versed in my church history i should be um and i'm working on that andrew's making me read books so that's good <laughs> um but i really do kind of always just point back to the biblical examples that we have um, which is always a good start. So I, I agree there um, that the examples we see in the New Testament really don't look a whole lot like um, our modern day churches at all. Um, and usually when I get this question, Ryan, which um, you probably are getting it from people, which is why you sent it to us, um, I usually really just try to address the heart of the question, which is that the heart is people concerned about us going off the deep end and becoming like a crazy cult or something. <laughs> and you know, that's a valid and important <laughs> fear to have. And so we want to, you know, address that. Um, and what I like to tell them about house church, at least the way we see it and the way we try to practice it is if there is, um, we do have elders in our house church. Um, and we really have tried to, to seek the word on that and what it says about elders um, what it says about, you know, leadership there. And we want to have that within our house church. We want to have strong leadership. We want um, people that are, you know, really seeking and standing in the gap for the body, so to speak. But I think the great thing about a house church is that everyone is in the word together. And so there isn't just one person standing up, um, expounding on scripture and telling us all what it means. Um, instead, we have everyone sharing 
from scripture and having discussion about it and prayer about it and really seeking the Lord together. Um, and so I feel like in some ways it's harder for us to go like fully off the deep end than maybe a traditional sort of church structure in some ways. I'm not throwing traditional church under the bus either. I'm just hopefully addressing that concern of, you know, oh, are your leaders like, you know, what's happening over there in Alice Church? And what's happening is everyone is seeking the Lord together, hopefully. Um, so that's usually how we address that particular criticism and concern. Um, to be really open and honest about it, when we address it, just like I just said out loud, usually the people are not, they're not... Um, satisfied <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, it's not helpful really <laughs> well there's two issues and i'm glad that you brought things to because there is the theo theo theological side to it and we need to be yeah. aware of that and there's the yeah. church history side but Which they're I'm really not aware of yeah I, I do think that there it's coming from two places primarily one is what you mentioned which is there's there's genuine concern about um, people not being led astray so what are the mechanisms in place to ensure that there are qualified leaders, uh, people of character who are overseeing a home church. And it's not just some Yahoo who decided to uh, start studying the Bible in his living room. Because, you know, you can find examples of people that have definitely um, taken advantage of others and led them astray. But a second place that that's coming from is the legitimacy question or the authority question. And, I, mm. I, and some people are just not, that's why a lot of people are not gonna be satisfied because if it's different than the model that they're familiar with in whatever church tradition that they came up with, um, then it's a question of authority and legitimacy. And I would just encourage people that you know, one of the big criticisms that Jesus himself faced was by what authority? And so the, the established religious leaders of his time did not see Jesus as a legitimate authority when it came to spiritual matters because he was outside of the prevailing structure that they were familiar with and that they were part of. And so we really do want to go back to the scriptures themselves. Yes, we want to have uh, biblically qualified leaders of character leading the church, whether it's a traditional church or a house church. Um, but the idea that going through modern day um, structures to find that legitimacy, whether it's the uh, seminary path or being endorsed by a certain denomination, um, you know, that that's a step beyond what we see in the scripture. So in the scripture, there are great passages, 1 Timothy 3, um, Acts 20, Titus chapter 1, and, and leaders there are described primarily as elders, overseers, and stewards, especially in Titus chapter 1. Those are the three words used to describe leaders in the church. And um, we've got some videos on that. Uh, I, I don't want to, we've got other questions, so I don't want to spend all our time yeah. on this one. But I would just say that leaders in the church need to be qualified by character, by proven experience, and by what they've demonstrated, what they actually do. So, you know, leaders in the church are leaders because they are gathering, they're guarding, they're guiding the people of God in a certain area. And if that's happening in a traditional setting, that that's wonderful. If it's happening in a home church, then that's great. And vice versa, if it's not happening, then no matter what you call yourself, you're out of step with what the scriptures recommend for spiritual leadership. 
Yeah, those are great answers, Andrew. And I think that this really carries perfectly into our next question. So we're just going to keep on going. This is from Allison. And she said, how do you encourage fellow believers, like your friends, to participate in non-traditional church with you, such as house church gatherings, etc.? Well, I'm actually interested in your take on this first, Abigail, because you guys okay. gather on Saturday. And mm -hmm. it's probably going to look a little bit different, I suspect, for people who gather outside of Sunday morning to um, to invite friends to participate in a house church gathering versus, so we do ours on Sunday morning at, at mm -hmm. the same time that a traditional church would typically gather. Have you seen a difference in people's willingness to to be a part of what you, you guys are doing? So my question is, Are you do you think that it's easier or harder for us? I guess it depends on how, how committed the person the like is. Okay. I think if someone is like super committed to a, if they're already involved in a Sunday service, mm -hmm. which is, I guess I assume that in Allison's question, um, okay. then I think it would be easier to get them to, to come to ours. Right. Okay. Yeah. There's, um, there's some interesting things to unpack here. Uh, first of all, um, Brett and I are not huge on um, pulling people out of their church you know um if they yep. are just rock stars in some church somewhere we are really supportive of that yeah. <laughs> um I, we really do love the local church like big c um there's some really fantastic churches in our community and we really dig them and we often will recommend them to people when they move to town um and we we get a lot of um just because of our military background and the harvest and lots of other connections we get a lot of um, messages from people like hey we're moving to the area like give us our church options we always give ours as like the top billing because you know of course <laughs> we love our our house church a whole lot um but we also have some really fabulous traditional churches in the area um so starting there um usually when it comes to someone who is already healthy and involved in a local church i usually um, just try to see maybe areas that I can share with them of things that we've learned from our house church. Just try to pass those little nuggets on and then be like, maybe use these nuggets in your awesome church that you're involved in. So in that regard, I the answer would be, I don't. I don't encourage them to come. <laughs> um, so if it's for people that maybe um, are new to our area, what we really try to do is is just have them come out um, and visit and see it. Firsthand is always my best answer for trying to convince someone mm. to go the house church route. It's hard to explain until you've seen it in action. Um, so I can explain all day what we do, how, you know, what it looks like, what the, you know, the model is, but until people really get to experience it, um, then it's hard for them to know if it's going to be a good fit or not. Um, so I think the, my bottom line answer is to just encourage them to come. Um, and I don't think it really matters like the day of the week then regarding, you know, uh, we have met on Sundays actually in the past, Andrew. Um, we just really feel very fluid about days of the week. <laughs> so, um, we really just chose the day that worked best um, for the people in our church. So um, I kind of even forget that church cannot be on any day of the week. What's that? Sunday? Okay. Go ahead, Andrew. What do you say? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm really glad. And I we feel the same way. Like, So if someone's already 
well-established and committed in a traditional church, we, we don't want them to make the switch to house church. Um, we think of church as what the Bible describes it as, which is a family. And so the, the real issue is whether you're in a home church or in a more traditional church, are you committed to the relationships with the other members of that church? Are you actually committed? Do you go to the gatherings because this is the time to be with your family? Which, of course, is going to play out throughout the week, too. So even we fall into sometimes describing church as a gathering. But, you know, the gathering is just one part of being a church. Um, we, we do ours on Sunday morning in part because we don't want to even get into that issue of competing with people who are already committed. Like, we don't want them to be sort of like dual committed because it's, it's just it's hard to really be faithful to those relationships. Um, and so... We encourage people, whatever church that you're a part of, be all in with that church, with that group of believers, and be committed to those relationships. And so we, if those friends are looking for a church, if they're new to the area, um, or if they just have not been to church or they've been estranged, de-churched, then of course, you know, we want to encourage them to, to come out and be a part of, of what we're doing. But um, there's nothing magical about house church as a model. It's not, I think it's got some advantages to the traditional church, but it's not a silver bullet. And so if someone's committed to um, a traditional church and, and things are going well, then, you know, even if things aren't going well, you know, we would encourage them, try to, try to, try to be the difference maker that the Lord wants you to be within that family of believers. So I don't know how helpful that's going to be for, for Allison, but. I think we feel similarly on that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I will say, Allison, if you're starting a church, um, I think Andrew just gave some great advice. Um, maybe s- consider starting it on Sundays um, just so that you do kind of get rid of that like possible dual um, commitments uh, so that you can find those people that are either unchurched or have been dechurched, um, and so it'll help you kind of figure out who you need to focus on. Um, I will say the other half of that is that if you're trying to reach people, try to find um, those that you know need you <laughs> in your community, then literally meet whenever they will meet with you. So yeah. um, we ended up um, meeting on Sundays uh, at the beginning because we were meeting with. Um, a couple who uh, worked really hard and they literally worked every day of the week except for Sundays. And so we were like, Sunday morning it is. And uh, it really kind of changed the way we kind of saw even our own church time. So Allison, if you're just getting started, I say one, do it whenever the people want to do it. And two, if um, you can do it on Sundays just to kind of help with that whole church aspect and uh, three, if they're already in church, then just be friends with them. <laughs> right. Hey, friends, thanks for watching the show. I wanted to take a quick moment to say if you're someone who's looking for insights, ideas, and inspiration that will fuel your faith for the 21st century, then make sure you sign up for our weekly newsletter, Harvest Highlights. It's free and it's loaded with resources that will help you be a disciple and make disciples in the everyday places. So make sure you check it out. There's a link in the description of this video. Back to the show. Okay, so on to the next question, which we've also kind of, I just already started talking about earlier, which is uh, from Michelle, how important is it to observe the Sabbath as Christ followers? 
what role should Sabbath rest have in our new covenant lives? You're going to let me talk about this one, right? <laughs> did you, I did a really long pause. <laughs> no, no, it's great. Um, I did a study a few years ago called uh, the seventh day, the Sabbath and Sunday, because there is so much confusion, I think, especially in modern times about uh, the distinction between those three things. So the seventh day goes all the way back to Genesis chapters one and two, where God creates the world um, in six days. And then on the seventh day, um, he stops or he rests. Um, and then a little bit later in the, in the scriptures, in the book of Exodus, uh, God brings the people of Israel out of Egypt, and then he, he codifies the seventh day into what he calls the Sabbath, and it becomes a requirement, an obligation. It's one of the Ten Commandments. And so the people of Israel, the old covenant people of Israel, are required to observe the Sabbath, to keep the Sabbath as a, a day set apart uh, to the Lord. And then in the New Testament, we see we, we begin to see the practice of gathering on Sunday, which is also referred to as the Lord's Day. And it's it's actually or, or the first day of the week. You see it in the New Testament. But it's it's not something that's that's highly emphasized where believers are commanded or expected to gather on Sunday. Like you said, Abby, we were just sort of talking about this. Um, <laughs> but it does seem to be a, a, a pretty clear practice of early believers to gather as the church on Sunday, on the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, because that was the day that Jesus rose from the grave. And so nowadays, you know, there's there are people who, who call Sunday the Sabbath, and then you've got some hardliners who are like, well, no, the Sabbath actually starts on sundown or at sundown on Friday, and then it runs through sunset on Saturday. And so really the Sabbath is on Saturday. And <laughs> there it, it's a good it's good for people to study the seventh day the sabbath and sunday but my my short answer here I, I like the way that michelle asked this question you know how important is it to observe the sabbath and what role should the sabbath rest have in our new covenant lives and i'm glad that she emphasized that we are under the new covenant um because there is a a complete shift in the way God is relating to his people from the old covenant to the new covenant. And the biggest shift is that we're no longer under the law, which includes the 10 commandments. We are not under the 10 commandments. We are under the law of Christ. And so our objective is, is to, is to please Christ. It's not to keep rules. And one of those rules was the Sabbath. And so you see, even in the new Testament, that non-Jewish Christians began to have to wrestle with this this question of should we observe the law, including should we observe feast days and Sabbaths, and you can see um, we're studying in Colossians this this week and in Colossians two he actually says don't let anyone judge you concerning the observance of a feast day or a Sabbath, so the scriptures I think are clear in the New Testament that we're not under the Old Testament covenant we're not obligated to keep the Sabbath. And, um, and there's a lot of freedom to that. Having said that, the principle of the seventh day is built, it goes, it goes prior to, it precedes the law of Moses. It goes all the way back to Genesis. And so we started this year talking about weekly rhythms. And one of the rhythms that we see in scripture is that there's a seven day cycle going all the way back to the beginning. And 
we do well to to reset on a weekly basis, whether that's on a Saturday or a Sunday or a Wednesday. Um, the word Sabbath literally means it, it means to rest, but it also means to stop. And so, for the um, for the Old Testament believers, uh, people of God, part of the Sabbath was just breaking up the the everyday day in day out grind and turning their focus uh, towards the Lord. And that's something that we can still really benefit from. It's something that's important. But I want to be really clear here. You do not have to keep the Sabbath. And, and for people who make a big deal about that, that you're somehow sinning if you don't observe the Sabbath, um, I would just say that they're wrong. That's not what the, that's not what the Bible teaches. Um, that doesn't mean that it, there isn't wisdom to having a day of rest on a, on a seven-day cycle. But to, to say that we're required to keep the Sabbath, whether you interpret that as a literal sunset on Friday to sunset on Saturday or just the principle of the Sabbath, you know, because some people will, they'll, they'll fudge the actual details of the Sabbath, but they'll still insist that people have to observe it, even if it's on Sunday. And it's just, it doesn't really make sense. No. That does not make sense. I thank you. That was great. And I knew that you should start because you had literally done a study on it and named it. So um, <laughs> the fact that you titled your own study is mind blowing. So um, that was great. I think the only thing I'll add is really not even adding anything. I'm just going to reiterate because I think it's the most important part. And that is that I think what we gain from the Old Testament is um, is God's heart, um, for all of us and how we should live and how sinful we are <laughs> and how much we need Jesus. So if you feel like you don't need a Sabbath at all, um, I would maybe question that, um, because usually that just means that there's some sort of issue there that you'd feel like either you shouldn't rest, um, rest is not important. And that's kind of an issue, like a Lordship issue there, or also, um, you're, you're literally too busy to rest, in which case you've booked yourself too tight. So something yeah. needs to adjust. Hey, we're running out of time. Can we fit in one more? Yeah, we can definitely fit in one more. I don't know if we're going to get uh, both of these next ones. So why don't you pick the one you think? Oh. I think I know which one we should ask. Well, the don't do one. that. The last don't. one. <laughs> the last one, I agree. Okay, so um, uh, is that our question? Yes. That one? Okay. So... How do we re-engage to the new normal when others have different standards and comfort levels than us? So this is actually, um, Andrew and I came up with our own question to ask ourselves. <laughs> and really it wasn't, um, we have been getting this question a lot, like just on a personal um, like interactions with people. People have been saying, hey, coronavirus time, here we are. Um, things are starting to go back to normal. Um, some yeah. churches are reopening. What do we do? So just to reiterate, you know, some people have different standards of um, needing to be healthy and stay mm -hmm. away. And some people are like, you know, we should just have faith that God will take care of us. Right. What do we do, Andrew? Yeah. And this is actually, this has been going on actually. I mean, at least for, oh, yeah. in, in our area for weeks now. Um, oh. I, I do think it's going to become mm. even more, <laughs> I mean, you see it on the news where people are, I don't know if they're getting arrested, oh, but they're being fined mm. by because um, mm. they're showing up to church services, which is, you know, in in violation of the order to to have gatherings of less than 10 people. Yeah. Um, 
but I think what what we're saying here is that that the issue is really going to continue going into the coming weeks and months. And in fact, I just saw an article on the Gospel Coalition blog. Yes, we should yeah. link that. It's a good one. Yeah, and it's it's dealing with this issue of as believers, it's it's going to be like a uh, <clears throat> a Romans fourteen issue where you've got people who feel like you know you shouldn't eat meat, and, and or First Corinthians eight as well, and people who are like ah, meat, all meat is uh, it's all offered to God, so it, it's all good. So you're going to have your conservatives and and your liberals. Uh, probably not the best. Oh, don't of those use those two. words. Yeah. Well, what could we say? You're gonna you're gonna have your Let's people who are more cautious. Out. We're gonna beep out Andrew right there. I'm gonna people need who are more Zach cautious and people who are more free spirited. Okay. Um, and of course, the people who are more free spirited are going to annoy the people who are more cautious because the more cautious folks are going to be more of the rule keepers and also well, we need to we need to protect and, and make sure that no one gets sick. And so that's that's really the issue that we're trying to address here. But we've we've had this. I've had conversations with folks from day one. Is well, we're still commanded to gather in Hebrews uh, chapter ten. So we're going to continue to gather, um, even if Caesar tells us not to. So I think that's that's the issue that we're we're getting at. A am I phrasing that right, Abigail? Yeah, I mean, I think anyone listening knows probably exactly what we're talking about because you're probably dealing with it wherever you are. So I think we're all on the same page. So what do, how do we, I, I guess the bottom line is what should we say? <laughs> what should we do? I mean, I'll, I'll tell you kind of what we're doing here. Um, it's going to be the worst answer ever. Just spoiler alert. Um, we're doing nothing about this. So basically um, we are just trying to be very loving to literally all the people. It will probably not be able to last forever, but we're going to, um, provide Zoom um, access to all of our meetings for the foreseeable future. So mm -hmm. um, that's for sure happening. And I think that in the coming weeks, uh, Brett and I will be opening up our home again for anyone who wants to come into that environment. Um, but we're trying to make it very accessible to everyone. And I think this like the scripture you um, already mentioned, this is very much an issue of personal um, stance and personal conviction. Right. Um, we had a really great conversation with our leaders of the, in our city this past week. And it was great because there were different viewpoints mm -hmm. <laughs> in this meeting. And I think everyone was heard and everyone heard each other. And then that was it. So there was no decision made. It was just some people were like, you know what? We're just going to keep on meeting. Our churches do better. We have a lot of homeless people in our church. They don't even have technology, things like that. They're like hugging right. each other. There were some other people who were listening to that who were hyperventilating into a bag because they were just envisioning like all the germs. But they listened <laughs> and they were like, okay, well, we're going to be over here with our Perel. And, uh, <laughs> you know? and that was fine. It was I felt like it was really good because it also showed priority on who they're ministering to. Um, I think the big thing for all of us to ask ourselves is, am I living in a place of fear, um, mm. fear of either man, fear of for my own personal safety, or, right. um, yeah, I think those are my only two fears. But those two things are enough to kind of sway us in a place that's not good. 
Um, so what we want to do is bring our own personal ministry to the Lord and ask him to show us how to best do that ministry. If that means that, you know, he's called us to say the homeless and he's still calling us to that, then we're going to probably need to figure that out, how to do that. Um, if all the people in our house church have internet access, um, maybe we have some that have some health issues and, you know, we need to take care of those people, then we're probably going to stay online. So um, I think it really is up to each other and just hearing each other and not having any kind of judgy face, um, but just trying to work it out. So that was a terrible answer. Do you have anything no, better think, than that? I think it was a great answer, actually. <laughs> I mean, it's the principles that we see in um, Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians 8. So in Romans 14, the issue is, Keep a clear conscience. Do not sin against your conscience and don't cause other people to sin against theirs. So each of us are going to have our own views on, on this issue as well as many others. And so, um, you know, ma maintain a clear conscience without judging or without looking down on others. Those are the two tendencies that we have as believers is, uh, so the people who, the, the, the people who are more cautious, are going to have a tendency to judge those who are just out there getting everybody sick. Um, and the people who are not wearing masks are going to have a, a tendency to look down on the, the people who are just overly cautious or fearful. And, and Romans is clear that we, we don't have the right to do either one of those. So regardless of where you stand on the issue, your attitude towards fellow believers needs to be guided by humility. And we see that in Romans 14. 1 Corinthians 8, we're going to do whatever we can to accommodate those who are weaker in the faith. And so uh, I, I like the idea of having the Zoom option for folks because I think that's an accommodation to those who just don't feel comfortable gathering in person. And that may continue even after certain government regulations are, are lifted. And it's going to be a great opportunity, I think, as believers to exercise humility and creativity to maintain unity as the body of Christ um, and not insist that that we know best and that our way is what everyone should be observing. So yeah. uh, maybe we'll come back to that one in the coming weeks and months, Abigail, depending on how things play out. But um, yeah, yeah, I think I mean, I think the the big thing, as you were listing, like, you know, these people would then look down on these people. The other thought that I had, and I've I've already seen this. Um, you know, in our own conversations is sometimes we are, uh, are prejudging our neighbor on them judging us like, oh, mm -hmm. you know, I'm staying home, but I bet those people that are out there, you know, on the streets are judging me for staying home. And so then there's like this horrible, you know, not even true picture of what's happening. So we should remember that, you know, as we're trying to love one another, hopefully they're trying to love us in return. So don't, don't worry until you literally hear it come out of their mouth. So, um, okay. Well, that was fun. We went got through a couple of, of, uh, good little tests of our knowledge. I only yeah. sweated a little bit, so that's good. <laughs> um, so yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope we gave some insights, some help in those questions. Um, thanks for checking us out today. And if you thought of something that you wanted to ask us, or you thought of a better answer to one of our questions, we want to hear all about it. So leave us a comment um, on this YouTube video if you're watching us, or a comment on Facebook where we post our podcasts. We want to hear all about your thoughts on our thoughts. 
So let us know and share this with your friends. Um, if you're hearing something that you've maybe been talking about with your friends, questioning these same things, pass us on. We love the word of mouth. We know that's really the best way for this to get out to the world. So thanks again, everybody. And we'll see you back next week. Bye, Andrew. Bye next week. Thanks for being part of our community. If you find this podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to listen to it. You can share it on social media with your friends. Or you can support it directly by visiting our website, intotheharvest.org, clicking on the donate link, and becoming a monthly giving partner. When you do this, you'll receive a thank you package with some great ITH gear. Thank you for supporting the show and helping our small team make a big difference for Jesus. It's listeners like you that make this ministry possible.